I realize that uh, Father's Day can be and is for, for some a very mixed day, very mixed emotions. I know that the term father evokes varied responses for everyone and that there's a mixed emotions around today. Today is the first Father's Day for me where three generations of the Baumgartner men have actually been in the same place at the same time. And I'm grateful for that and I understand how fortunate I am because I know that that's an exception rather than the norm for many of us. And so this morning I'm not going to gloss over the reality of what today is for a lot of people. Um, Nor am I going to pretend that we all have a happy story associated with today. And so whilst this morning's message does make reference to fatherhood. It's the, the principles that I want to share today apply to every one of us, uh, fathers, mothers, men, women, single, married, young, old, every one of us, these principles apply for us. But before I get into that, I, I do just want to take a couple of minutes just to speak to the fathers here today, to the dads, to the granddads, to the soon-to-be dads, to the one-day-going-to-be-dads. I want to just speak to the dads for just a short moment. It says this in Psalm 68, verse 4 to 6. Sing to God, sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. And it says this, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. And we're just going to pause there. It's a beautiful verse because God who is holy, who is limitless, who is all-powerful, He defines Himself to us as a Father. He could have chosen to define Himself in any other way. He could have introduced Himself to humanity as any other type of person or being. But throughout Scripture, He conveys Himself to us as a Father, helping us to understand today that you All the fathers here today are not fathers because you got biologically lucky. You are fathers because of a holy commission from God. God chose to be known to us as a father. And I want you men to know that fathering is more than just a good idea. It's a holy plan and it's a holy commission from God. Where God first sets the example for us uh, and then he has chosen you to not just pass something on to the next generation, but to pass something into the next generation. And I know I'm preaching to the converter because you're here this morning, but research shows that fathers who expect the local church to be responsible for the spiritual upbringing of their children, can I say the results don't look that good. But what the research shows is that if a father regularly attends church and is actively responsible in the spiritual well-being and leadership of the household, then the research shows that the next generation is three times more likely to continue to serve God. And we're going to look at that a bit more tonight, so I encourage you to come out tonight. It's going to be a great evening at Cafe Church. But I think that what has happened is that there is a generation of men who have abdicated their God-ordained spiritual responsibility to the church. Let me just say, Paula and her team in Kid City Junior, and Chris and Lee and Herbie and Sam Gilbert and the rest of the team of the Kid City um, team, they do a phenomenal job. They are brilliant. I, I can honestly say I've not seen a kids' ministry that is run so passionately as the one that we have here. But I want you to know that the spiritual responsibility of raising a child in spiritual ways lies with the parents first and foremost. That is God's plan. 
That is his plan. And maybe that wasn't the case for you. Maybe your experience wasn't that your father or your parents took the spiritual responsibility for you or the household. Well, can I say, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad you're here. Because the usual progression is that what one generation allows, the next generation enjoys. Or that what the one generation chooses to do or chooses not to do becomes the norm for the next generation. But if each of us makes the choice to turn back to the God-ordained, holy commissioned role of fatherhood and parenthood, then we set a legacy for the next generation to enjoy. So fathers, can I encourage you, keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep running hard after God. Keep setting the example for your kids. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom may not be something that you do, but it may be somebody that you raise. That may be your greatest contribution. And that's good. It is good to step into the God-ordained role of fatherhood and parenthood. Okay, everyone back into the conversation now. As most of you know, my mum and, and dad moved from South Africa a few months ago. But it's only been the last two weeks that their container actually arrived from South Africa um, full of all their, their treasured possessions from back home. And it's funny though, all these boxes arrived and, and they've been unpacking the things, but because in comparison to what we've gone through in the last couple of weeks with, with dad's heart attacks and the things that have been with that, it really puts things in, it's put things into perspective for me. They have all this stuff arrive, all these boxes, all these treasured possessions, all these, these things, these special things. But in comparison to what we've been through health-wise and, and, and the reality of what that could have meant, it really puts things into perspective about what's really important. And it's got me thinking a lot about this idea of legacy. And the legacy that we are leaving for the next generation. And what is it that the next generation needs most from us to pass on to them? And so you may be wondering, why am I preaching in a hoodie today? I'm a little bit too casual for, for normal Sunday services. Well, good friends of, of ours bought me this, this jumper. And, it, and if you, at the back there, if you can't see, it says legacy on the front of it. And I wanted to use this as a bit of a, an analogy, just of a bit of a picture for us to understand um, something more about legacy. Because usually when we think about legacy, we're thinking about things that we're handing on to the next generation. We're thinking about things that we're passing on to the next generation. Like, this is mine. Pretend this is my legacy, and I, I enjoy it. I've, I, I've, I've owned it. It's been mine, and I can now pass this on to my son or to the next generation. And we have a picture that that is what legacy is about, passing on the things that we have, the things that we own, the things that we've worked hard for, passing those on to the next generation. But I've come to realize lately that legacy is more than what we pass on to the next generation. Legacy is what we pass into the next generation. What I've come to realize is that one of the most important things that I can do as a father is not necessarily what I can pass on to my kids in terms of physical things or stuff, but what I can pass into my children. The, the, the values, the, the culture, those things that I can pass into them the legacy that I'll, I'll leave within them. But this idea spans so much further than just fatherhood. It, it, legacy applies to every one of us. It also applies to the church. Hopefully at the end of Beck and, and my tenure as pastors of ACC, whenever that will be, 
Our prayer is that what we pass on to the next leaders will actually be far less significant than the legacy that we pass into the church. The culture, the values, the ideals, those things that we instill into the church. Legacy is more than what we pass on. It's what we pass into the next generation. Because the things that we pass in will always last longer than the things that we pass on. You may get an inheritance from a family member. You may get the Royal Dalton China from grandma or a stamp collection from somebody. Or maybe even some cash. And I'm not saying that those things are bad. But none of that will last or have as much significance as everything that is passed into you from a loved one. What somebody passes into us will always last longer than what is passed on to us. My eldest son um, this week had a class assignment at school to do a speech on somebody who was significant in their lives and to explain to, to the class why they had chosen to do the speech on this significant person. And so he chose to do his speech on his uncle who's, who passed away four years ago. Now, Uncle Simon was one of the most generous people that I have ever met. He would constantly spoil my boys with gifts and with treats. But you know, in Caleb's speech, he didn't mention any of those things that's, that Uncle Simon passed on to him. But he spoke at length about the things that were passed into him from his uncle about the encouragement that, that he gave him, about the support, about him being there cheering him on on the sidelines of soccer fields, of developing inside of the boys a love for animals and for animation and, and things like that. Those are the things that he remembers. Those are the things that have stuck inside of him. It's the, it's the legacy that has been passed within from one generation to the next. And this morning, I want to encourage everyone that what you pass into the next generation will live so much longer than the things that we just pass on. And so the question is, what legacy are you leaving for the next generation? What legacy are you sowing into this next generation that's coming through? 1 Corinthians 4, 15 and 16 says this, for even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ when I preached the good news to you. This is telling us that any man can actually become a spiritual father. Consequently, any woman can become a spiritual mother to the next generation. We can all play a part in what is passed on to this next generation. It carries on and it says, and then Paul says, So I urge you to imitate me. This is Paul speaking about what he wants to pass into the next generation. Not about what he wants to pass on to them. It's not about passing on a bunch of theological books. It's not about passing on um, manuals that he's read or he's written and he wants to pass those on. No, it's, he's saying, imitate me, the values, the culture that I have. See those things that I do. See the way that I respond. See the way that I hear from God. See the way that I've devoted my life to him and imitate me. Let those things go inside of you and imitate me. It's about the things that we can, be, we can pass into the next generation. And so this morning, I just want to share three things that all of us can pass into the next generation as a legacy that will last through time. The first one is this, a faith legacy. Passing on a legacy of faith to the next generation. 
A few weeks ago, I caught up with a good friend and a brother in the ministry, Pastor Andrew Coburn from the Armadale Baptist Church. And we had a coffee together, and he is a wonderful man of God, and he is doing great things in and through the church there. But we sat down over coffee, and he told me the story about the history of the, the Armadale Baptist Church and how it began, began 100 years ago. And he spoke with such excitement about the incredible steps of faith that the church took when they first started off. There were a passionate group of people who came together and they took bold steps of faith. He spoke about how the the church was planted and how it grew, how they stepped out in faith to bless the community, to reach the lost, to love the lonely, and to demonstrate the heart of God to people around them. And he, and he got so excited when he, he then uh, recalled the stories of how God came through and he, he, he came in those moments of them stepping out in faith and he showed himself strong and mighty for them. And he spoke with such a conviction about how the church needed to get back to that and to follow the example set by these, the, the first church, that's the first people in the church. And I could see while listening to him that this wasn't just a good idea to him. This wasn't just a, oh, that was really good of them to do that. No, there was, a, there was a conviction inside of him to go, hey, if they could stir their faith and believe for that, then why can't we? Hey, if they would take a step so bold as to believe that God would come through for them, hey, we should be doing that same thing too. And in discovering what the early church had done, there was a passing on of his faith legacy into him that he was now committed to following through on. When Beck and I were newly married, we moved down to Cape Town, and in the church that we served in was one of my heroes in the faith, Mr. John Bond. What a cool name, hey? John Bond. He was, he was a, an amazing preacher, amazing man of, of, of faith. He, he was, in fact, the founding father of the Assemblies of God in Zimbabwe with another man called Nicholas Bengu. To understand the significance of a white man and a black man working together as brothers to plant churches and to minister in a, in a country in Africa, um, it, it can easily be lost if you don't understand the political climate of Southern Africa at the time. But he was a remarkable man, sold out to God and passionate and, and, and had such a, a history and such a story to tell. And he was a, he's a real hero of mine. In his latter years, when he was in Cape Town, he made it a priority to get around the young people in the church because he knew the importance of legacy. He knew it's one thing to do all that work for God, but then if he didn't pass that on to the next generation, then what was going to happen? And so he spoke into a generation of young people this legacy of faith. And Beck and I are just two of countless young people who had the privilege of sitting under him and, and, and hearing him speak and being encouraged by him, being taught by him, being uplifted by him. And, and he passed into us this legacy of faith to believe God for incredible things. And when I talk about faith, when I talk, it's, I'm talking about more than just a relationship with God, more than just a religion. When I talk about faith, I'm talking about courage. Passing on a courage to, to believe God and to, to step into all that He has for us. Having a courage to be what God has called us to be. That we would have a people that would have a go. That we wouldn't sit back and, and, and hope that somebody else would do it, but that we would be the ones to courageously step forward. And to take faithful steps in all, in all areas of our lives. Imagine if we can pass on to the next generation a legacy of faith where they would believe for the impossible to happen. 
where they would step out with such bravery and courage to the things that God has called them to, believing that God would do what He has promised that He will do through them, where they believe that the best days of the church are still ahead of it and not just in the stories that they read about. But how can we ask of the next generation to do that if we aren't willing to live by the same principle? Because you can't pass it on as a theory. It's got to be practically outworked through our lives first. It's up to us to pass into them a legacy of faith, which means that we have to have that courage first. We have to demonstrate. We have to set a bar for them to build upon. You know, the biggest hindrance for courage is a comparison to others and a fear of failure. Those are the two deadliest enemies for courage. And in a social media world where comparison is everything, and where the cry of a generation is, I want to be unique just like all the other unique people, what would happen if we inspired the next generation to break the mold of conformity and be all that God had called and purposed them to be? To throw off the limitations of comparison and to break free from the chains of fear of failure. What if we could inspire a generation to do that? I heard a story the other day of a man called Pastor Nelson Parr. He was the pastor of a church called Bethshan Tabernacle in England. Back in the 60s, Pastor Nelson came up with this revolutionary idea where he, he paid to bring a circus to town. He paid for the circus to come to town and he set it up in the field right next to the church. And so what he would do is he'd organize what time the the circus would be on and he would start the church service as soon as the people started filtering out of the circus. So that the people would go to the circus and have a good time and then they would kind of be drawn into this other thing that was happening. The music was playing and they'd hear the, the amazing message of Jesus Christ. Do you know how much aggro he got from the church community back in those days, though, because he organized the circus to come to town? But he had a passion to do whatever it took. He had this burning thing inside of him that said, there are lost people. There are people whose eternity needs to be shifted. There are people that need to understand that they are loved by God, that they are accepted by God. And he chose to do whatever it took to help bring them into the church, help bring them into a knowledge of their salvation. And he inspired a generation of of young English pastors from there to go on from there. In fact, one of the people who organized, a a, um, it was only about 10 years ago, this massive crusade that took place in Wembley Stadium. The entire stadium was filled up. You follow the path of the organizers. And the great-grandfather, or the grandfather, was in that church as a young man who had been saved because of the circus. He'd gone just on one night to the circus. God had another plan to lead him into church, to have his life radically saved. And because of the faith, because of the courage of this man, this Pastor Nelson, amazing things have happened because he passed on a legacy of faith to the next generation. We have the responsibility to demonstrate that kind of courage in our own lives and to pass it on to the next generation. Winston Churchill said this, success is not final, failure is not fatal, it's the courage to continue that counts. We've got to have a courage, a courage to push through. What would happen if through our legacy we inspired the next generation to have a go, 
to have the courage to pursue their God-given dreams, to have courage to step into what God had planned for their lives. A faith legacy. The second is this, a relational legacy. A relational legacy. In other words, understanding their identity in Christ. The generation coming through today like never before in history takes their identity from external factors or feelings that are neither true nor accurate. It used to be that your identity was based on on your class or, or your family's financial standing or your identity was based on the color of your skin or your nationality. Today, though, for many young people, their identity is based on external factors. They're getting labeled according to an incident that happened that people witnessed. They're getting labeled because of how they're feeling and and, and they get uh, tagged and labeled because of that. Even labeled according to what they merely think about certain things. And then people then tag them and group them and, and label them because of those things. And what happens is we have a generation of young men and women who are now living their lives based on an identity that has been formed because of labels which have been placed on them by other people from external factors. What some external factor has tagged them is, has now defined them as to their identity. But here's what we need to know and what we need to pass into the next generation And that is that the one who labeled you first has priority of right to defining who you are. Let me say that again. The one who labeled you first has priority of rights in defining who you are. So before any external factor took place that can label you, before any incident or event or feeling could box you into a certain group, before all of that happened, it says in Jeremiah 1.5 that before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. He is the one who establishes our true identity. The one who formed you, the one who knew you first, has every right to define you. And as parents, as biological mums and dads, and as spiritual fathers and mothers, we need to instill into the next generation a relational legacy of who they really are. Well, who are they? Well, first and foremost, they are a son and a daughter of God. That they are fearfully and wonderfully made. That they are loved. That they are accepted. They are set apart. They are called. They are anointed and appointed. They are His. Our identity comes through that first before anything else. We must be teaching and encouraging the next generation that they are not defined by and their identity is not formed by what people say about them or by the emotions that they walk through. They are first and foremost identified by God. I checked with Herbie before I share this, but the young boy that I mentor through Kids Hope at Newling, this young boy had a really rough, has had a rough start to his journey. And as I've got to know him more and as trust has been built between us, he's been willing to share more and more of his story to me. And it breaks me hearing him speak. He he speaks through the filter of what he perceives that his identity is because of the words and the labels that other people have said over him. For him, that's his reality, what people have spoken over him. And I've made it my aim this year to simply speak words of encouragement over him and to speak his true God-given identity and replace the labels that he's been given. 
and not in an overtly Christian way in respect to the program and to the, the, the quest of the school, but just telling him even that he's a winner. You're a winner. Telling him that he's got a great future ahead of him, that he's got awesome gifts inside of him that he hasn't yet understood or, or, or found them yet, that he is loved that he is noticed, that he is unique, that he is special. And just speaking these words into him has changed the way he views himself. I believe it is a powerful thing to speak over the next generation their true identity and who they are in Christ Jesus. Because they have been labeled for too long and they've found their identity in, in places where they were never meant to. But God is the source of our true identity. The third legacy is this, a secure legacy. I believe it's important that we sow into the next generation a security legacy. Well, what do I mean by that? I mean, I mean being present. A generation that is present for the next generation. And a generation that tells the next of the one who is always present. Dads who are present. Mums who are present. Friends, mentors, teachers, loved ones. There is an incredible security in knowing that you are not alone. There is great security in knowing that there is somebody there with you. I want to just show you a quick video of what, though, happens and what is too often the case, though. Heads up! You know, Homer, I spend my whole life entertaining kids, and I just realize I don't know the first thing about them. Well, I won't lie. Fatherhood isn't easy, like motherhood. But I wouldn't trade it for anything, except for some mag wheels. Oh, man, that would be sweet. Dad! Dad! Just a second, honey. Daddy's on his high horse. Dad! Yeah, I'm watching, honey. Nice cannonball. Anywho, the key to fathering is don't overthink. Because overthinking is, um... What were we talking about? Ooh, a clown! We have a generation that says that they're present, but are distracted. There's always been the challenge of one generation being there for the other. And we see it in this generation, but it's happened in all the generations before. These distractions, these things that we have come between one generation and the next that causes us to feel separated. And the truth is that people as humans, we have this tendency to let people down, to not be present when we need it the most. There's a lack of security in generations because they feel alone, they feel like they're not heard, they feel like there's a distraction happening, they feel like there's a separation that has taken place. And we've got to do better in being there for the next generation. But two... We have a heavenly father who is always present. And we need to let them know about this. Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. An ever-present help. And we have this perfect representation of what it means for us to, to leave a secure legacy for the next generation through God. He's not a God over there. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And as we spoke about last week, He is with you always. Let me finish with this. Musicians, please come. When Caleb was just a young boy, 
he would often wake up in the middle of the night because of night terrors and, and bad dreams. In fact, it got to a stage where this became a nightly occurrence for, for us. And so he would wake up and he'd come stumbling into our room and he'd stand on the side of our bed and ask if he could jump in the bed with us. And so he'd climb into bed and he would, of course, fall asleep pretty easily, but that meant that we didn't get a good night's sleep. You know what it's like, parents, elbows and feet in very unusual positions and starfish. But at least Caleb got back to sleep. This went on for a while and, and we were smashed. We, we were exhausted with this nightly routine. And so one evening at bedtime, I said to Caleb, hey, hey, buddy, tonight, rather than you waking up in the middle of the night and coming into our room, how about I bring a pillow and a blanket into your room and I, I, I fall asleep on the floor next to your bed. And so Caleb was really excited about this. He thought it was a great idea. And so we, we went to bed that night and he soon fell asleep and so did I. But just after midnight, I woke up. I was cold. I had a sore back. I was grumbling. And so I, I very quietly, I, I snuck out of his room just after midnight crawled back into our bed and, and fell asleep. We woke in the morning and, and we found that Caleb wasn't in our bed for the first time in weeks. And so we got up and we found that he was still fast asleep in his bed. So we started getting things ready for the day. And eventually Caleb, he woke up and he came um, out. And we said to him, hey, Caleb, well done. Well done, buddy. You slept the whole night in your bed last night. Well done. And he replied, oh, it's because you were there, Dad. And I said, but Caleb, how, how do you know that I was there? I got up before you woke up. How do you know I was there? And he replied, Dad, it's because you said you were going to be there. Do you know that God is there for you? Like, no, like, really know that he is there. He is always there. Not some half-hearted effort like me who got tired and a sore back, so he left halfway through. He is always there for you. He is there even in your darkest, most difficult, trying seasons. He is there with you. And this is what it means for us to pass on a secure legacy to the next generation. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We have a God who is with us. He is our ever-present help. And He is with us everywhere we go. He never abandons us in difficult times. He never withdraws when things get hard. His promise is that He will always be with us. And if there's anything that this next generation needs to know, if there's anything that we can pass on to the next generation, it is this, that God is with them. We need to pass on this confident assurance to the next generation that no matter where they go, God is with them. That in our limited capacity, we can't walk beside them wherever they go. But that's no excuse for us not to do our best to be there for them. 
But there is one who will never leave us nor forsake us and who is with us everywhere. Three aspects of legacy that we all need to pass on to the next generation. A faith legacy, instilling into them a courage to believe God for the impossible. A relational legacy, instilling into them who their true identity is and as found in Christ. And a secure legacy, letting them know that no matter where they go, they are not alone, that God is with them.